So welcome to Vegas Circle with Hockey and Chris. Thank you. And uh, we're excited to sit down with the CEO and co-founder of Pigeonly, which is a platform that makes it easy for people to search and find and communicate with incarcerated loved ones through a mobile device. So you yeah. got that whole copyright on everything. We got Mr. Frederick Hudson. So welcome to the circle. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks welcome. So you got a long story, man. So <laughs> we were able to, able to see a little bit of your background. <laughs> so just kind of jumping right in. Yeah. Originally from Brooklyn, New York, you served some time in the Air Force, and then you actually spent some time out in Florida, yep. my understanding. But what's crazy is you got multiple businesses that yeah. you built over yeah. a period, one being a shipping company is mm -hmm. what I actually found. So you built a shipping company up, but got caught up back from yeah. my understanding in the drug game and yeah. building a marijuana business and shipping business. And you were doing from, from Mexico to Florida, from my right. understanding. Mexico, Arizona, from Arizona to Vegas, from Vegas to Florida. Oh, so you weren't playing so no I was, games. I was, I was ahead of my time because now you can go buy in the store. So I, was, I, was, I was too early. I was way too. I early. didn't want to ask you that just because it's legal now. That yeah, makes you. It was. It was too early. I was way too early. So yeah. what? What year was this? Yeah, this was two thousand four, two thousand five, two thousand six. At that time. Okay. Yeah. And so you actually served almost sixty months. Was yeah, like fifty yeah, something months in years, prison. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. wow. Yeah. yeah. And so that just rack your brain. Go, go right ahead, Chris. Yeah. 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 So ultimately, I was, you know, the backstory is a little bit, you know. Crazy. Yeah, yeah, pretty intense. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, ultimately, you know, when you're incarcerated, what led you to the point where you thought about this idea and you wanted to jump into it and, you know, identify the concept for Pigeonly? Yeah, I mean, I think for me, it was just just observing my surroundings and I would see that how hard and difficult it was for people to stay in touch with their levels on the outside. And then I would just notice that the people who didn't have the financial means to stay in touch, they would be the same ones that I would see come back over and over again. And it wasn't until I got out where I saw that my general observation was backed up by like 40 years of research that showed that people that communication education most two most important factors mm -hmm. when it comes to recidivism of people returning back to jail mm -hmm. um so then i was able to make the connection but to answer your question um while i was there i just i just felt it had to be a better way you know i knew that there was services and there was other things out there that allowed people to you know do everything your phone because this was around a time where there was like all the ads for this app for this app for that this yeah. was when iphone was mm -hmm. just coming out just starting to get popping and um yeah, I said, so why, why isn't there not for this? Why isn't there a way for people to easily communicate with their loved ones? Why isn't there, why do I have to go to the post office to send photos? Why do I have to get something printed out? Um, why do I have to do all these steps? And that's what the idea started. Now, I had no idea it was going to grow into what it is now. But, you know, where it started in the beginning, it was very, I was just trying to solve a very simple problem. I wanted to make it easy for someone to be able to upload a photo, press the send button, and then that be received by whoever the incarcerated loved one was. So, you know, for mm -hmm. people that maybe don't understand how the original process was and yeah. why this is kind of a game changer for that, what was it like before and kind of what is the process, you know, through the Sure, sure. So in the beginning, back then, the only really way that you communicate with someone was either through high-cost phone calls mm -hmm. um, or it was letters, right? Those are really only the main ways um, back then. And um, the process then, you would have to go to either Walgreens or CVS if you didn't have a photo printer, print the photos out, then go to the post office and mail it, right? So it mm -hmm. took a number of steps to do. Um, and then what we just created was a way that you can just, you already have the phone, the, the photos on your phone already. So we just created a simple way for you to upload that and send that directly to, to your loved one without having to go to the post office, without having to take an additional steps. So it was really the convenience factor. So essentially, is it like you upload the photo into the app and then the photo gets mailed to the... Yeah, so we sent, actually sent a physical, tangible photo. And we still do that today. Um, oh, that's and it's a physical, um, tangible. And we send it in a way that facilities are comfortable with it because, you know, another big part of our business now is contraband elimination. So preventing contraband from community institutions. Um, so we learned early on that 
certain things make prison facilities nervous, right? Because, you know, there's ways that you can incorporate, whether it be fentanyl or K2 or mm. whatever the, 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 the most popular synthetic drug is at the moment, um, it's easily incorporated into paper or ink or whatever, right? So you have to be able to create something, design something in a way that the facilities can see it. They can be confident that, you know, it's safe um, because, or they have the knee-jerk reaction, which we've seen happen in a few places where um, they'll ban, you know, in Florida, they're banning green cards or they'll, they'll ban letters. You can only send postcards and things like that, which makes it harder mm-hmm. for people to stay in touch when you make it more and more restrictive. Just imagine, you know, trying to stay in touch with your child using postcards only. It's kind of crazy, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, um, sure. that, that's, that's one of the things that we saw very early that we wanted to make it possible so that, hey, you can accept this and you can be safe. Um, you don't put your staff at risk. You don't put the population at risk, but it still allows people to communicate, you know, very efficiently and at low cost. How is those objectives to try to get yeah, you know, I know you question. got plenty yeah, of stories, but yeah, that's, that's just, very hard to do. Yeah, you know, I think, I, you know, when you don't know what you don't know, mm-hmm. kind of go into stuff, not really understanding or have an idea of how hard it's going to be or how much infrastructure you have to build to even make your idea a reality, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it was almost that ignorance that, you know, made me go through with it because had I known it was going to be as hard as it was, I <laughs> there's easier ways to yeah, do it. Of course. Right? Yeah, so of course. I yeah. think, I think a lot of ways that ignorance actually allowed us to build a good company and build a big company, right? It's because we didn't really know. We was just building the steps as we went. Um, yeah. We didn't know what to expect. We didn't know what was, what was, what was normal. There was no normal, right? So mm-hmm. we, we built a lot of stuff from scratch. Um, you know, when I first thought about it, I thought I was just going to go buy a printer from Best Buy or somebody yeah. and just have somebody in the, in the office printed. But it, 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 you know, it doesn't work. Our printer is about the size of this desk, right? And it's, oh, you know, yeah. it's thousands and thousands of prints, right? So yeah. it's, 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 it's way different than what I envisioned. But again, that ignorance of just figuring out one step that's in front of you at a time mm-hmm. allows you to, you know, before you look up, you actually build something big. Yeah. So, you know, it seems like yeah. the package point, <clears throat> uh, Prisons are meant to be, you know, very restrictive. Yeah, right? yeah, Obviously, of course. like they're but, hard to navigate through. Right, they have very yeah. strict policies, procedures, what's allowed, what's not allowed. And right. I, I feel like that that whole dynamic is really challenging to nav- navigate through. Like, you know, when you're trying to get the approval to allow these things to happen, you have to go to the the prison systems and like what's, each one and get approval for that. Or is what's it, interesting is that we built our entire company to not have to have any buy-in or sign-off by institutions. Mm. So mm. we basically designed it to work from a consumer's point of view. So as any consumer, if you was to send this yourself, but you had a better way of doing it, what would that look like? So it didn't re- require any sign, no approval oh, perfect, or, yeah. or, or co-sign, I should say, of institutions. However, they were happy they were getting it that way, right? So mm. um, it, was, it was a nod in that sense. Um, but it wasn't until later when we started building the government side of our business where we actually started working directly with institutions. We, we have a car- contract with Clark County and other places um, that, you know, they're saying, OK, we actually want to contract with you guys because we like the way you guys are doing things. And you guys are making, you know, our process and our life easier while still allowing people to stay in touch at local. Yeah. Right. So that was that was the big piece. Hmm. Yeah, you guys have built out. So you've I, I was reading a couple years back. You guys are doing about two million um, phone per minute phone minutes, for, com- yeah. for for customers. Yeah. And you were building it on 88 countries? Is that my yeah, yeah. We have customers in like 88 wow. countries. Wow. Yeah. 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 So is that still the number now or is it how much volume it's, are you guys doing now? Yeah, it's to, probably, that was a while ago. So it's yeah. probably a lot bigger now. I don't, I don't, yeah. I don't even count it anymore. Um, yeah. But we have customers all over. We, we send mail pretty much to every facility in the United States. Mm-hmm. And a lot of customers overseas use us because 
Um, you know, if you had to send, you know, a letter from England, for example, we have sure. a huge base in the UK. Um, you know, the amount of time that takes, or if you wanted to use a phone call, you know, it's extremely expensive, right? So it's already expensive here in the States. It even mm-hmm. gets, you know, twice or quadruple that calls, from yeah. international, right? So mm-hmm. that's really the value proposition. So from our side, consumers use us because we either make something convenient or we make something cost less. Um, and that's really the, the, the two reasons that, that, that they choose to use us. And then on the government side, governments are using us because they it allows them to prevent contraband allows them to keep their staff safe without them being overly restrictive to mail right over restrictive of mail and that's the big thing we wanted to do is that our mission from the beginning was make communication accessible because as you pointed out institutions have the tendency just to get more and more restricted mm-hmm. as time goes they take taking more things away um and the the reasons for that is you know security or or concerns around security so our our goal and mission was to really, you know, we can take that off the table. You know, can you guys relax a little bit? And, and that's really what we was able to do. Yeah, so you have to the, build that trust. Yeah, yeah build that yeah. trust to be able to prove it. Okay. And when you're doing, you know, that number of minutes and that <clears throat> amount of photos, you know, how, yeah. how was it kind of developing that infrastructure to be able to handle all of these different tasks? You know, because everyone. Yeah, I was about to say, <laughs> that, that's the first thing I thought. <laughs> two minutes, like, it's like, yeah. a more normal, like what is the normal yeah. call line? Like, is yeah. it like two minutes? Is it, can you have no, so our, minutes? Our average, our average phone call is about 15 minutes on average. Okay. Um, you know, there's hundreds of thousands of phone calls going every single day. Yeah, um, yeah that's wild. You know. <laughs> Um, but you know, I think for us, so it's with the technology was happened over the, over the course of the years from when we started is that there's more infrastructure that's now where you can stand up a phone company. If, if entrepreneur wants to stand up a phone company, you can do that almost plug and play today. When we started, you couldn't do that, right? Mm-hmm. It was very technical and you had to have very specific technical skills, build a very specific type of team that knew and understand how to do voice over IP and those types of things. Now there's companies like Plevo, there's companies like Twilio, and yeah. you can stand up these things, you mm-hmm. know, relatively quickly. If I want to stand up a phone company tomorrow, I can do that within a day, right? So, oh. so it's, it's moved that direction. Um, but back then it required a lot of, a lot of just figuring things out and step by step, you know, getting registered with the FCC and, and, you know, one, one of the big, one quick story, one of the things that we learned quickly is that one of the rules is that you have to register your customer's number, right? So the institutions have to be able to know if John Smith is receiving a call, they meet, they want to be able to have the caller ID to, to register back to whoever says they're making that call, right? To verify. So, so as soon as we did that, all of our customers started getting hammered with those robot calls mm-hmm. because now we're registering all these numbers. They're like, yo, why are we getting those calls? Thousands and thousands of calls, right? Mm-hmm. So we was like, oh shit, we, we created something. We didn't realize that solving one problem creates a new problem. Yeah. And that's a, that's a common thread in, in, in building a business, right? So um, we ended up solving that because we had a, we basically made a system that automatically could detect if a call was not originating from institution, it automatically block it. And then only calls that originated from institution will go through, right? So that's how we solved it. But that was just an example of we had to do that in order to work with the facilities, mm-hmm. but inadvertently created a new problem that we didn't foresee yeah. that now <laughs> you have this registered list of thousands of customers where they have the new number that they have, our number, mm-hmm. that now allows, you know, your phone to get hammered by, you know. Everybody. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 Spam, spam call. Exactly. Like at least you can see it says spam call. It didn't call. do that back then. <laughs> Man, back then they, they, that. That's it was a lifesaver. Yeah. That's an absolute <laughs> lifesaver. What, you know, what I was, was so impressed with is that um, you hire incarcerated people. For sure. Too. A lot of people don't do that. Yeah. Right? What was the thought process? Were you just trying to find like employees and dealing with, you know, because it's a challenge with dealing yeah. with employees, but has that always been like the foundation of yeah. the company? It's, or? it's our foundation <clears throat> from the beginning. I mean, myself being previously incarcerated, mm-hmm. you know, we have previously incarcerated at every level in our company, you know, from executive level, my CTO, head of engineering, 
um, I had operations. So it's on almost on every level, every department, right? So we didn't just say, we're just going to put people in customer service, for example, right? Mm -hmm. um, because there's a lot of talent. You know, there's a lot of talent that's coming out of institutions. Um, and, you know, most people that, at least people I'll come across with, you know, they're extremely talented and they just understand they didn't have the right product, right? So yeah. if you would <clears throat> switch the product and you, instead of being marijuana or instead of being cocaine or instead of being whatever the vice is, right? Instead of being that and you, you switch that to something else, you know, you're really talking business people, right? Very entrepreneurial wired business people. Yeah. And, you know, I quickly saw that and I quickly realized that why should I compete in these other spaces for the same talent pool where there's a untapped, you know, yeah. face of talent <clears throat> pool that's getting out every single day. Um, they're just looking for an opportunity. They're willing to work harder. They're willing to do more. They're willing to prove that they really want the opportunity and, and respect the opportunity. So it's just worked out for us really, really well. Um, so you, you know, interview we well. How do you how do you line it up? Are you vetting just like you would do any company? Yeah, yeah. yeah. We and but we don't. We we more so like we prioritize culture fit in our company. Okay. Um, mm -hmm. And you know, I rather take someone who doesn't who is not you know, doesn't have the love experience that I'm looking for, yeah. but is a really strong culture fit and we can get you the experience, right? So that, that's just what I prioritize. That works mm -hmm. well for us. And then we just take our time hiring. Mm -hmm. So, you know, one of the things, you know, I learned from you, the, the late Tony Shea um, from Zappos is that, you know, we, we, we hire very slow and we fire quickly, right? So we'll really take our time to make sure somebody has a good culture fit. And then the result of that is that people have really stayed with us for a long time. So the people that we've had, you know, they've been with us from when we started, right? So we've, we've had very little turnover, even in departments that you typically see turnover, like customer service and things like that. Mm -hmm. um, we, we don't we don't really have that because we really take our time and we really make sure we have people that are culture fit. They care about the mission. They care about mm -hmm. what we're building. Um, and, you know, they actually add value and they see that they add value and they, they stick around. Yeah. yeah. And it's hard because, you know, a lot of people don't get that opportunity. You know, yeah. you make one error, oh. one mistake, something yeah. along those lines. Yeah. You don't get an opportunity to go somewhere and really contribute. And I think, you know, having the, especially with people that understand the product, right? right. You know? exactly. So when you have somebody who's been through that experience, you understand exactly. the product and you, you buy into it, I think you create a much more, you know, dynamic employee, in my opinion. Agreed. I, 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 Agreed. I can see that. Mm. As far as like the marketing base, how do you guys advertise and how do you guys get your name out there? Or it seems like you probably haven't had to because yeah, in the beginning. To, so in yeah. the beginning, we built the company by doing direct mail. As antiquated as that sounds, it was okay. super, super effective. So basically, um, when we first started the business, we didn't really have the money or the budget to do Google ads and all the typical, you know, online marketing mm, stuff. Yeah. Right. Because, you know, in that space, you know, you have attorneys and you have all other other companies, organizations in that space that really drive the price of online marketing up. Mm -hmm. So we had to find, you know, low a low cost way to really market and build and build our customer base. So mm -hmm. what we what I knew from my own time is that all criminal justice information is public record. Number one. Number yeah. two, I knew it was very disorganized. So we built software to be able to organize and, and scrape and, and um, all the criminal justice data to figure out who's in jail, where were they in jail at, um, estimated when time was getting out, and we turned that into a mailing list. And then we would just send mailers and just say, hey, there's an easy way for your family to send you photos. Yeah. And we started getting like a 40, 50% response rate to it. Now, I was so ignorant. I didn't know what was good for a response rate yeah. for direct mail. And it wasn't until way what later. It's like direct mail is like one to 2% response rate, right? Yeah. So it was substantial, you know, mm. compared to what response rates were. And then, you know, it really just, it just really spread because the, the product was good. People enjoyed it. It really made their life easier. It was cost effective and all that. Mm -hmm. So it kind of spread. And that's the base of how we built the company. In the beginning now, we, we, we've graduated from that. But in the beginning, that's what it was based on. And were you sending the direct mail to the people that were incarcerated mm -hmm. or yes. to like- And then we let them, yes. we let them yeah. call to mom. Hey, mom. Hey, grandma. Go to this website. Here's how to send me photos more. Uh, so yeah. we talked to the person that cared the most. 
And then they was given the information because, you know, what we find is that when you're in that situation, any value that you can give your family member to help cope and deal with your situation, you're going to get it. Right? Yeah. So mm-hmm. if I can tell you something that's going to make your life easier, if I can tell you something that's going to help you save money, if I can tell you something that's going to be a little simpler, um, not going to, you know, make your life inconvenient in any way, then you're happy to share that with your, sure. your support yeah. network. Yeah. It's very interesting because yeah. you never yeah. hear about people targeting not yeah. also targeting yeah. away but yeah. well, it is yeah. it's yeah. just strategic selling very strategic to yeah. people that are incarcerated I've yeah. Yeah. that's the first for yeah. me that's right. a very interesting right. concept it was what <laughs> I when I was first looking up your cup I was like this dude is very strategic yeah very strategic on how you do it and it's, it's you found a niche and right because you assume right. people are incarcerated yeah. like they're not a customer anymore yeah. right? right but it's and good. then to be clear the, the people inside, they don't pay us. The family member yeah. on the outside does. Um, but yeah. they're the influencer exactly, for yeah. the person on the outside, right? So, you know, the person on the outside, they're already sending photos. They're already yeah. writing. They're already doing all these things. But they're just doing it in a very complicated and expensive mm. way, right? So yeah. this was just like, hey, instead of, you know, paying, you know, in, in federal prison, it can cost upwards of $80 for the 300 minutes you're allowed to speak. And with our service, it costs 15 So it's just like... Like it costs you more not to be my customer than to be my customer. Is that so, wow. what is the reason for that? Is it because all of them are collect calls, so you're basically yeah. So it's just, it's, just, right? it's just a crazy, it's a crazy old system, yeah. right? And and basically the way it works is that you have two types of calls. You have a long distance call, and you have a, and a local call. The way they determine what's local, like all of us on the outside, we have cell phones. There's no such thing as a long distance call anymore, right? <laughs> because you can call on a cell phone, or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but in that environment. A local, a long distance call is anything that's not in the same rate center of where that phys- that facility physically is located. Oh wow! And rate center are the old maps that phone companies yeah. used to use <laughs> to determine long distance calls. We, no one uses this anymore except this industry, right? So what happens is you can literally be making a phone call f- across the street from where the institution is located. If that's where the line for that rate center is, that's considered a, lo- a long distance call. Oh wow! So because of those two rates, what we did was we used our software to always know where the institution was. So anytime a family member wanted the, the lowest call for their loved one, they we would just create them a number that was always local to that facility. Wherever they may be in the world, it didn't matter. So they yeah. always would call a local call. Mm. The, the inmate, when he's calling home, he'll call a pigeon number. That number then connects to mom's existing cell phone on that line. So every call they made was always local. So instead of paying props to you, yeah, man, that's, that's a hell of an idea. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. The, so, How long did it take like just putting the business plan together? Like, from start, you know, you imagine you put the vision together, then to execute it. Like, how long did that take? I mean, it. I mean, it was. It was. You know, business plan. From my experience, is it's like a it's a like a living document, right? It's, it's always changing, yeah. and you know. But the formal, just the beginning of the process. I think for me, it was while I was locked up. You know, I was yeah. thinking about. You know, one thing I didn't want to do was rely on somebody else to give an opportunity. So I knew I was going to create my own. Yeah. Um, so I was just think about. You know, what problems could I solve? Because that's how my brain works. I'm always thinking about. A problem, and I know that if I solve a problem well enough, somebody's going to be more than happy to pay me for mm-hmm. it, right? So that's really you know how I thought about it. So you know when I in the beginning at that time was hey we're just going to make something real easy for people to get photos, and that was it. And then once we launched that and got that off the ground and proved that out, um, you know I discovered you know that there was this whole technology ecosystem in San Francisco, and there was talking about like tech companies, and again this was the time when. Mm-hmm. That was like the wave and everyone was talking about it. Now it's more distributed. But back then, everything was just in San Francisco and Silicon Valley, right? So it was during that time when when that, so I discovered that. And I, I think it was a, like a CNN special or something like that. What I was talking about it. I said, oh, this is interesting, right? Because at the time, I was in Florida. And um, we didn't really have the support like, mm-hmm. to, to really build it and build it out. So long story short, um, I applied to this accelerator program, uh, technology accelerator program. 
where they didn't give us any money, but they helped us learn how to communicate your idea. They helped us learn how to do a pitch deck. They helped us learn um, and gave us basically warm intros to their network uh, so that you can at least you, you won't be so much of an outsider anymore. Right. Mm -hmm. So went through that process. And then um, out of my cohort, we was the only um, per company that raised capital, we raised our first million dollars. Mm -hmm. And then once we raised that, we went on to like add all these other services. So then we added the phone service. We added greeting cards, letters, postcards, and all the other stuff. Um, and then it started turning into more of a communication product versus just a single, you know, single, you know, product, which is the phones at that time. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like, you know, <clears throat> yeah, it's like yeah. you're bypassing a lot of the the, the institutionalized ways of doing things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, the, the communications, yeah. the, you know, the, the systems with the um, the prisons. But do you feel like you're getting you can get a lot of backlash for that? Are you getting any of that pushback from like the existing telephone companies or from the institutions? Or has yeah, it been yeah. pretty so, well received? Or so not from the institutions, that? but in the beginning, we had a lot of backlash from um the the phone providers that we were disrupting right mm -hmm. because we were basically giving consumers the opportunity to save significant money on the phone call so basically the phone system institutions they're basically a monopoly right yeah. so whatever yeah, whatever sure. whatever company runs the phone systems at that prison you have no choice but to use that phone company right mm -hmm. um so they charge whatever they want and a lot of times because those contracts are usually one based off of the dollar amount of kickback that the phone company gives to the institution it doesn't always go to the lowest cost provider, right? So it goes mm -hmm. to the provider that's going to give the highest amount of kickback to the institution. Yeah. Institution relies on that revenue to do their functions, mm -hmm. so it creates this um, it creates this um, negative return for the consumer because now the consumer doesn't get the lowest cost. Mm -hmm. The consumer ends up usually with the highest cost. Um, so they didn't like what we were doing, right? Um, but right around the time when we really started getting a lot of traction, the FCC had passed a law, basically making it illegal because what they would do was they would just block your number. So they would block phone numbers that um, that were our phone numbers, right? Mm -hmm. So they would just arbitrarily just block a pigeon phone number so that you couldn't receive phone calls, so that it would force you to have a high price phone call. Eventually, the FCC was like, "Wait, wait, you can't, you can't dictate to consumers yeah. <laughs> what phone company they can use, right?" They said, "So as long as Pigeonly is a registered phone company, as long as Pigeonly is following all the rules that every other phone company has to follow, you have to treat them exactly the same as Verizon, you know, AT and T, mm -hmm. anybody That's else." Awesome. Um, yeah. So then that they backed off after that, but there was a while, you know, a couple of years, maybe even three where that was the practice, where if they would catch wind that using using one of our numbers or a number that would save you money, they would block the number so that you could do the calls. That's wild. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, think we found, yeah. I think we found out it was us being a business show. I think we found out for everybody. Once you yeah. figure out the niche, they yeah. don't bully you exactly. in, in a way. You exactly. know what I mean? To figure exactly. it out. And it's very exactly. rare they have to see, like, does something in favor. You locked out. Yeah. It was a lot of momentum building to that point because sure. people yeah. had for years been complaining about the predatory nation of prison phone companies, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. You know, you have, you know, phone calls that are as much as, you know, $15 for a 15 minute phone call, which is crazy, right? Yeah. You know, you know, we don't even think about a cost of a phone no more, right? Calls are almost virtually free at this point, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah. um, the fact that they was charging what they were charging um, was just egregious, egregious. So, you know, that that's one of the things that, you know, we, we really leveraged and that momentum allowed for that law to pass that, you know, made that work. That's excellent. What do you wish you would have known, like, before you started this business? Now that you've built it, you know, <laughs> five, you passed that five year, yeah. you got to the 10 year. Yeah. What, what do you wish you would have known? Um, I wish I would have focused less on having a perfect product, bringing a perfect product to market okay. and focus more on traction and growth earlier. Mm -hmm. on. Okay. Um, I think a lot of times as an entrepreneur, we fall in love with our product. It becomes our baby. Yeah. We know how great and beautiful it can be. And yeah. we want to have every bells and whistle. Mm -hmm. We want to have every feature we can think of. And then what I would end up doing, I would just fatigue out my engineering team, right? Because every 
idea I had, I'll come to the office. Okay, we're going to do this now. And then tomorrow, okay, we're going to do that now. And we we felt spent so much time, you know, building the product and trying mm. to make it perfect. And where we could have just did one thing really, really well. And we would have gotten a lot more traction and been able to grow a lot more faster than we did during that time. You know, eventually I learned that lesson. But, we know, we lost, you know, we probably burned through a few million dollars by that point And, we, yeah. you know, went through, you know, a few years at that point. Right. So yeah. Um, it's just, yeah, I think, I think it's really important that, you know, really just push out the most minimum, most valuable thing that you can do um and and bring that to consumers because because you learn so much with your product in the market that you can never learn while while you're still in the lab working on yeah. it right yeah and that learning is what's the most valuable you know when you're That's building excellent. like a disruptive yeah. product like that you know when you're growing fast you're getting rapid pace you're starting to build traction <clears throat> do you start getting to a point where you start seeing other people pop up trying to emulate yeah, that all service all and, yeah, and how do you kind of keep your product consistently <laughs> growing while you're trying to stave those people off or do you just kind of let it yeah work you know naturally out you know it used to freak me out. Um, I used to be really concerned and really, you know, lose sleep about, oh, my God, we have somebody else copying us. And it got to the point where, like, every other week there was somebody else yeah. that was doing it, right? Because people, like, usually things are just simple. Like, oh, why didn't I think of that, right? And it's not like we built something that had the barriers of entry were so high that you couldn't duplicate it. Um, but then I realized the value is that we had a direct access to a particular market segment. And I just focused on that. And um, instead of focusing on or worrying about what competition could be doing, um, I really focus my attention on just being the most innovative. So now we compete on the government side. We compete with companies that, you know, they're billion dollar companies and we're beating them in contracts and stuff just because we're just more innovative than them. Mm. And we can adjust faster. We can move faster. We can change directions quickly. Um, when a customer says, hey, it would be really nice if the product can do this. Okay, done. It can be done by next week type of thing. Right. And they yeah. just can't move that fast. Mm -hmm. That's nimble. So I realized that that's more important. That's more valuable than trying to be all things to all people. When you look at these big companies, they're always trying to be all things to all people and they're super slow and they're mm -hmm. super, they miss the mark more than they hit it. Mm -hmm. um, so I realized our strength was that we're really focused and we're able to iterate quickly as we learn from customer feedback um, to mm. really just end up with the most innovative product is really what my goal is. Yeah. And you know, there's going to be a time where I'm assuming one of these large companies want to yeah. buy you out. Of course. Yeah. 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 Is that something you're planning on your exit or is it still kind of hold steady and, you know, kind of work down I, this path? So I, I have mixed feelings about that. Right. Yeah. So because I spent so much years head to head with them, um, there's a little bit of animosity there just, <laughs> but I mean, I could put that aside though, if the check is right. Yeah, yeah. So I can get over that real quick. But I think, I think the big thing though, is that when I, I think about um you know our exit strategy it has to be something that you know doesn't deteriorate our mission right so mm -hmm. as long as it's not you get us out the way so that you can go back to the to the predatory oh, yeah. job before yeah. mm -hmm. then that's a problem um but i also see a path of us you know getting to their size and doing it our own independently as well mm -hmm. so i think we have both options on the table so just you know only time will tell how that plays out yeah. but now that we have the government side of the business which is complementary to the consumer side it puts us in, it, it changes my perspective and it puts us in a different realm a little bit mm -hmm. where now there's a path for us to do and get just as big as they are, but doing it in a more equitable way. So that's excellent. Yeah, yeah. that's fantastic. I love having people like yourself on the show. You know yeah, what I mean? I being, being a business show uh, and a business podcast, you've dealt with a lot of adversity. Yeah. You know what I mean? We're dealing with the prison system. You figured out, you know, this kind of riddle in a way, you yeah. know, um, what's some business advice or business gem that you could give our listeners that, they want to start a business or honestly, they might be in the penitentiary right now trying to come up with their mindset of their yeah. exit. What would you share with them, you know, for what they're dealing with for adversity? I, I would say the first thing, like I mentioned earlier, is just really just identify and focus on like what your everyday 
problem is or whatever, whatever your itch is, like build something to scratch your own itch. And I think when you do that, you're building something that's authentic to you. I think you're building something that you understand. And then you're also building something that, that is going, you're going to, when you're going to have the time when it's not going to move as well, you're going to have time where it's going to be very, you're going to struggle. Nothing's Mm going to go right. And if you're not working on something you actually care about, if you're not working on something that actually scratches your itch, you're not working on something that's really authentic to you, you're not going to want to stick with it, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, there's 101 ways to make money. Um, but to build something that's meaningful, um, you know, if that's your goal, to build something that's meaningful, you want to build something that you really care about and that's authentic to you. Yeah. And something that you can just do, you know, based off who you are. Yeah. I'm going to steal that from you, man. <laughs> yeah. That itch, I don't think nobody said that. All, all the interviews we've had, nobody yeah. said that about the itch. That's, that's a great response. Um, just kind of transition a little bit. We always yeah. ask our, our guests, favorite restaurant in Las Ooh. Vegas. Yeah. Especially because you hear any downtown, Ooh, so I got to hear it. Yeah. yeah. That's what I do. Like, I'm yeah. eating everywhere. <laughs> yeah. That's that's what I do. Hey, that's hard. Yeah. That's so hard. You just got to give us one gym. Maybe one, might be a whole, whole you know, wall You know spot. what yeah. I was really rocking with, but they closed recently? Major Domo. Major, what is that? It I was in, that. oh my God, huh. it was so good. What they is had that? the best yeah. primary. Oh my God, it was amazing. It was, it was okay. in, it was in the plaza, but they closed. So I'll, I'll pick some. Okay. Um, favorite restaurant at the moment. I'm a, I'm not even going to mess okay. this up. Yeah, yeah. Get, I'm going to yeah. get, get this right. I'm going to get that one. I'm going to get this right. Yeah. Wakuda. Wakuda. Okay, we're going to edit that and make yeah. it look like, yeah. <laughs> and the plaza. Wakuda, yeah. Wakuda. Wakuda, it's a vibe. The food is good. It's, it's, it's I'll check that out. Frederick yeah. dropping some gems on us. She gave us a new restaurant we never heard of. Eat in the lounge part. Okay. Yeah. We, we definitely go, we go check that vibe out, man. So you coming from New York. That's why I really wanted to know because yeah. New York got some great food. For sure. So, man, what else is on your your um like your goal? Like what, what would be the ultimate goal for, I guess you'd say, like the next five to ten years? Um, I would say really the the biggest the biggest thing for me I just you know my goal always was to build a really big business right and mm-hmm. when I think about big and I think about the impact um, it's really about the amount of people we can impact as far as consumers mm-hmm. and customers mm-hmm. um, the amount of people we can impact as far as um, customer um, um, employees mm-hmm. um, and then all because one of the things we did unique is that when we started a company like I got all my homeboys and guys in the hood that you know, put money in our, you know, it was like 2000 here, 5,000 there. Like I'm trying to make those people rich as well. Right. Mm-hmm. So for up. me, it's like a very, it's a very wide ranging of, you know, this opportunity was something that I was able to do and impact the lives of everyone around me at the same time. That's so, what's up, man. Yeah. Man, you, you are very motivated, man. I'm happy that we were able to have you come on because listeners are going to be able to see that. There's yeah. no excuse. Even my children, you know, yeah. I mean, to be able yeah. to see how you, how you moving, man. And uh, we're rooting for you, man. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, appreciate that. Thank you. Um, what else did we forget that, that you want to share at all that, uh, that might be on your mind? I think we covered a lot. That's what's yeah, up. Yeah. Hey, you dropped some gems, man. You dropped some gems. What's your, what's your social handles? People can reach um, out. I am Fast Freddy okay. on Instagram and Twitter. I'm probably the most active on Instagram more than anything else. Okay. Well, absolute pleasure, man. Yeah, Thank definitely. We definitely room for you, man. Great. And uh, hope you won't sell out too quick on yeah, that yeah. check. But we wish you luck, man. You can check us out at thevegascircle.com. Thank so, you. Appreciate Thank you, Appreciate it. Yeah, that was, that was Thank you. Thank you. Man.